This is episode 256 for October 2013. This episode of Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by Dynamic Forces, and check out their website at dynamicforces.com. Dynamic Forces is the leader in autographed comics and collectibles, and they have autographs from Spider-Man legends and from key people in the comics industry and marquee signatures, including Spider-Man's co-creator Stan Lee and John Romita Jr. and Sr. An example of their cool products is on an original Spider-Man Daily comic strip art. This is from Stan Lee's personal collection. It's an original print that the artist worked on and then sent it to the printer. And it's a -a one-of-a-kind item, and Dynamic Forces has several of them in stock, ready to order. It also comes with a Dynamic Forces Certificate of Authenticity. So check out our new sponsor, DynamicForces.com. Spider-Man does whatever a spider can, spins a web, any size kids. All right, let's uh, tackle our segments now. Uh, George, we're going to review two episodes of the cartoon. Tell me which ones we're talking We are. We're going to look at uh, Season 1, Episode 3, Doomed. Take a guess on yep. what that one's about. Uh, Doomed. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, if you had said the Mole Man, you'd be wrong. Uh, and the other one we're going to look at is uh, the 15th episode of Season 2, Ultimate Deadpool. Um, huh? All right. Yeah, th- I haven't seen that one. I've seen the Dune one. Okay, so so you know the last two uh, times I've I've reviewed the cartoons, people have commented you know on the board and and on the front page about how shocked they were that the that the reviews were that the grades were so high. Yeah, you know because I'm having to put things through a prism and say, and put my own biases aside and try to and say okay, you know this is written for two year olds. It's not written to make sense to an adult. Um, but uh, that ends. That ends now. Because I, I, I couldn't, in good conscience, uh, after after seeing these two episodes, uh, give the you know put that aside. There's sometimes you know stuff is just so blatant it just sort of slaps you in the face and you're like, all right, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. So uh, yeah, and doomed. Um, Spidey and Nova getting a fight at high school uh, over MJ. I guess uh, you know. Spidey doesn't appreciate uh, Nova talking to MJ at all, even though they're just pals, whatever, get over it. And um, so they, they wind up in detention, which is really just reason to get the entire team together, and Coulson throws them into training. Um, it It's pretty ugly because, you know, you have Spidey and, and Nova just fighting back and forth, fighting no you, no you, no you. You know, and uh, you times infinity, know you and your mom. You know, I mean, it's it's childish. But out of nowhere, they decide, oh, well, Nick Fury locked us in this training room because he wants us to prove ourselves. So why don't we just go through the database and find the toughest villain we can bring down? So, of course, they go into the files and they say, oh, here's one, Dr. Doom. And so Spider-Man, the brainiac, the smart guy on the team, right? <laughs> The, the A student, you know, um, looks at Dr. Doom and says, isn't he a mayor somewhere or something? 
And I'm like, no, stop. Stop. <laughs> if there's anyone in this group who's going to know that he's like the leader of a country, it's going to be you. Come on, you're the nerd. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So uh, it's, that was very distracting. Um, at one point, you know, you still got – this is a recurring thing for the entire show is every now and then Spider-Man will refer to something he's done in his pants. I just webbed my shorts. I just webbed my – I just webbed in my pants. I just purpled my pants. That's what he said when he was the Hulk. <laughs> I just whipped my pants. I just, he said that this episode. He was like, oh, he I, I just webbed in my pants. <laughs> I just webbed – no, he says, I just webbed – I think he says, I just webbed in my shorts. And I'm like, dude – no. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't want to know that. So they decide to go after Dr. Doom. They ta- they steal a uh, shield jet, which then turns, I don't know, Voltron-like into five smaller jets, um, <laughs> because that makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, you've got um, White Tiger coming off as the only one that's actually mature, except for Iron Fist. Um so they go out to, to prove themselves with Dr. Doom. They beat up on, on a lot of Doom bots. Um, they eventually capture Dr. Doom, which should tell you something right there about where the story is going. And they take, you know, quote-unquote Dr. Doom back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. Well, well, actually, Spidey and Nova are racing to get him there first to try to claim victory for it because they both knocked out Dr. Doom at the same time. Of course, you realize by now it's a, it's a Doom bot and it's not Dr. Doom. Right. All right, but at one point... Spider-Man is is thinking about it, you know, and he's like, "I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take Doctor Doom back, and Nick Fury is gonna buy me lunch." And there's a cutscene of Spidey and Nick Fury and Doctor Doom all roped up at the table eating lunch, and then Doctor <laughs> Doom looks at uh, like the cake on the table and says, "Doom will have uh, Doom will have cheesecake," <laughs> you know, and yeah, Doom, no, no, I'm sorry, it was a uh, banana split. He said, "Doom Doom demands a banana split." Yeah, and I'm like, oh God, who? Stop! This is and this is again. The this cutaways. Yeah, the yeah, cutaways. This is written by a man of action again, which is four people, including uh, Joe Kelly and um, uh, Joe Casey. Uh, and I'm like, it takes four people to write something this bad. Really, that's amazing to me. So you've got little moments like that that's always, you know, in this episode you have a recurring thing of Spider-Man's like, he's going to ask Nick Fury for a jetpack as a reward. And then there's like a five-second cutscene of him on a jetpack going, wee, and they just keep beating that into, into the ground. They do it yeah. three times the entire episode. It's like, well, let's go back to that jetpack, wee, and you're like, God almighty, it's, you know, the, no wonder kids have short attention spans today. I mean, they, they're firing this crap off at them. It, cu- it cuts away a lot. Any pros from the episode? Um, Iron Fist. Iron Fist comes off like a boss in this show. Yeah, he busts through the helicopter. <laughs> he really does. And, I, it, yeah. and it made me sad because it made me think back to that fight I lost in Fight Club where uh, <laughs> it was Iron Fist versus uh, Omega Red. And I kept making the, the point, he has put a hole in the shield helicarrier. You know, yeah. this is how tough this dude is. People are like, yeah, I don't know, but Omega Red now, he's, uh, he's, he's, no, he's no slouch. And I'm like, stop! Can he punch a hole in an aircraft carrier? <laughs> so anyway, so, so here Iron Fist does it down through several levels. He just keeps punching down through the ship. And then eventually um, he takes down the Doombot, you know, with a giant chi punch. And I'm like, yeah, you do, because you're Iron Fist, and I love you. <laughs> uh, but overall, this one gets a D. This one gets a, a, a D for Doomed. This episode was Doomed. One of the pros I have of that episode that I liked, and I just watched it recently, was how he characterized the different 
groups of teenagers that sit at lunch tables. These are the Hulks. Oh yeah. These these are the surfers, silver surfers, and and these are the Parker. What, these what are the, no. He's, I think he said these are the Peters. <laughs> <laughs> it was Harry and MJ, and then yeah. uh, and and then Nova. it was the Harry yeah. Peters. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the Harry Peters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so a D out of that one. Yeah, All right. I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, this one. Yeah. This one finally snapped. I was like, no. Okay. And, and I have, you know, and this is. Yeah. It all comes to the way that Doctor Doom is portrayed. You know, at one point you got little tiny Doom robots running yeah. around with like high pitched voices, you know, doing like gremlin type shit, and I'm like, dude, this is Doctor Doom, you know. Even his Doom bots are badass. Well, they're supposed to be, but in here they're not. They're like. <laughs> You know, and, and they're blasting, you know, Nick Cage in the foot. And Nick Cage is like hopping on one. Ooh, I got a hot foot. And I'm like, seriously? Nick Cage is in this, George? Not Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage is in this. Luke Cage. That's a whole different twist. <laughs> no, that would have moved this up to an A. Um, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Have you seen that second Ghost Rider movie? Jesus. I, you know, I still haven't oh. seen that. I like the first oh. one. Oh, I like the first one too, but damn. Yeah, is it really, that see, bad? I thought the second one was a huge improvement over the first one, but I ju- it, their big problem was that they kept Nick Cage. <laughs> it, <laughs> well, number one, you know, it had Peter Fonda as uh, Mephisto, and he was so evil. Yeah, that was you know, that was a good cast. That was good, and then Ava Mendez, you know, has that ass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you have to say it, dat ass. Dat yeah. ass. Dat, dat ass. No. All right, let's hit Deadpool up. Okay. I bet you, is this one going to be good? Brad, I'm a big Got Deadpool it. fan. I'm a big Deadpool yes. fan. You know me. I love Deadpool also. Um, this was horrible. <laughs> oh, hell. This was horrible. This was, hell. This was terrible. First of all, <laughs> the guy they have doing Deadpool's voice is completely wrong. Oh, he sound, he, they, should, they should have had the guy that did the video game because that was perfect. They should have had the guy that did his voice in Hulk Versus. Yeah, that was good too. That guy was perfect. Yeah, and and but this guy, no, this guy comes off as like an annoying teenager, and and I'm like, Deadpool's not an annoying teenager. Deadpool's a, he's a that's your complaint about Spider-Man. He comes off as an annoying teenager. Well, I mean, too, he comes off as an annoying teenager with weaponized ADD. <laughs> you know, and you're like, how does this guy? How does this guy invent web shooters? You know. You know, it seems like this kind of kid would like be be distracted by shiny objects. Yeah. You know. So anyway, so yeah, I should have. Voice acting is wrong on Deadpool. I should I should have loved this. The voice is all wrong. Um, all the cheesy fourth wall stuff that they do every you know five seconds on this show works for Deadpool. Yeah. All of it makes sense for Deadpool. None of it makes sense for Peter Parker. So when they do it for Deadpool, it makes sense. I'm like, yes, because Deadpool will do this, and this is how things work in Deadpool's universe. Not so much Spidey. So it's weird. It's like I, I look at all the stuff I hate about this cartoon, and I'm like, okay, for, for Deadpool, it works. Um, that basically, the gist of the episode, you, you find out that Deadpool used to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. He, he was part of the team before, uh, before Spidey got there, then he quit, and then Spidey came on. And I'm like, no, he didn't. <laughs> and I'm like, what? 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 How was he a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent? How that is sucks. Deadpool in Shield? They even show him training with the other people, and he's got his swords out and everything, like in a flashback. And I'm like, "Are you shitting me?" He's the assa- oh man, that really sucks. Oh, I, I guess he can't be a part of Weapon X and it was an assassin on this cartoon or something. I don't know. It was terrible. So, so yeah. he, you know, 
I, I wrote, you know, I, when I wrote my notes on here, I wrote, oh, God, no, out in parentheses for things that really pissed me off, and that was one of them. Yeah, yeah that ticks me off, too. Did, Another Joe thing, Kelly create Deadpool? Yes. No, 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 no. no. Liefeld and we signed Life- it. Oh, but Joe okay. Kelly had that had that first uh, solo Joe Deadpool Ke- run that's so celebrated. Yeah, yeah. Joe Kelly is the John Romita Senior of Deadpool. <laughs> oh God, that seems boring. odd. Then that he would sign off on such an emasculation of the character. Then, but anyway. yeah. Well, this one was written. This one was written by yeah the same group, Man of Action and Ed Valentine, whoever that is. I've never heard of Ed Valentine before. Joe Kelly is a part of Man of Action, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, so, him yeah. And Joe I, I agree yeah. with Jr. I don't, I don't get that. Of course, it's just sort of like you know, I, th- I think Joe Kelly has changed much in the way that at one time Bob Gale wrote Back to the Future, and and yeah. then he wrote Freak. <laughs> oh my God, Freak! Yeah, God, I haven't thought of him in a long time. Well, you know, George Lucas gave us Star Wars, and he gave us the Howard the Duck movie, which you know, I mean, yeah. people have. A, I remember when I was a kid, I loved it. I went and saw that twice at the theater. But now as a grown-up, I've seen it, and I'm like, oh, no, this is this is actually kind of bad. No, I liked Howard the Duck as a kid, too. So, okay, so uh, you got Spidey and Deadpool, you know, the, the two of them, you know, both of them are fighting for the laugh, which is fine, because in this case, they would be. But mm-hmm. only about, really, an eighth of Deadpool's dialogue feels like it's, like it's actual, you know, like it's stuff that Deadpool would say. Um, at different times, they both yell the same thing, and then they both yell jinxies each other. I mean, they beat that into the ground, just like you know they do with like, oh, I webbed myself, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Deadpool doesn't say kill; he says we're going to unalive them when he, when they get they're going after the Taskmaster. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you say that shit again? He say, he doesn't say kill. He says we're going to unalive them. I just died a bit. <laughs> I know. He says we're going. Well, here, let, let me set this up, okay? There. Can you not say kill? I guess he can't say kill on a Disney well, XD no, show. No, because Spider Man says, "Are you are you trying to say we're going to kill them?" And then Deadpool's like, "Well, no, we can't say that. We're gonna we're gonna." He he makes up all these other euphemisms and then goes back to we're gonna unalive them. Then then Deadpool doesn't belong on this show. No. If you're gonna screw him up that much, he's got I mean he's got guns and katanas in this show, and I'm like, why? <sighs> this is not Deadpool's not a kid's character. No, he's, he's not. not. And um, so, to, so before they they're they're gonna they're making their assault on the Taskmaster's base, and they're fighting all the Taskmaster goons and everything. And at one point, yeah, they they bail out of the plane that they're in. They stole a plane, or Deadpool had stolen a plane from uh, from Tony Stark and wrote IOU on the landing pad, which was kind of funny. Um, now that that's something he'd do. Yeah, that would, that is totally something he would do. Yeah. So they <laughs> but they jump out of that plane and then they're immediately beset by uh, Taskmaster goons with jetpacks. All right. And who are trying to stop them. And, of course, Deadpool and Spidey, they don't have a parachute or anything. So, of course, Spidey's got his web slinger thing if he's not thinking about it. So they're tearing the jetpacks off of these guys, and then these guys are just falling off into the distance. And I'm like, okay, so they're killing these people. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was watching the episode. I was like, so basically they're, they're unliving them. They're unliving them. Well, this is yeah. – the, the unalive thing came, came when they got to the ground. But up in the air, I was like, wait, they're, they're killing people. Because we're not seeing like any sort of, you know, like little parachutes, side parachutes coming down like you did in the GI Joe cartoon. No, people are just falling. Yeah. So, and I'm like, so Spidey never notices that. Then they get to the ground and Deadpool's like, "Yeah, we're gonna unalive them." And Spidey's like, "Wait a minute, now we can't go unaliving people." And I'm like, "You just did it. You just, you just sent men plummeting to their doom <laughs> from from a mile above. What are you talking about? Yeah, now you're gonna go soft." <laughs> 
you know, so so they're going after, you know, they get to the base, they're going to go after the Taskmaster, and then boom, boom, the one thing that almost saves the episode for me, but it didn't, Clancy Brown is the voice of the Taskmaster. Mm. And and I okay. actually wrote, I got so excited, I wrote, Clancy Brown as the voice of the Taskmaster is the tits. That was <laughs> Why do I know Clancy Brown? He was, dude, he's the Kurgan from Highlander. I've never seen that. He was the voice of Lex Luthor for like yeah. ten years. He was the voice of Lex yeah. Luthor on the on the Superman cartoon. He was the uh, remember the drill sergeant in Starship Troopers medic. That guy. He's been mm, in he's, yeah. he's been in eighty trillion movies. He's one of the, I, I imagine a really big white guy with a deep voice, and it, if it's probably him, if you've seen that description in something. Did you uh, see? I'm looking at his picture. Yeah, I, I, I've seen. Did him. you see character. Cowboys versus yeah. Aliens? Yeah, he was the preacher. Okay. Did you see Sleepy Hollow, the pilot of Sleepy, uh, Sleepy Hollow, that new show? No. Okay, he's in there. He's the sheriff for all of five minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, he's a tremendous voice actor, and if you're a sci-fi guy, Clancy Brown is big. So as soon as I realized he was the voice of the Taskmaster, I was like, wow, this is these are two great tastes that go well together. <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate, this, this baby. Is, this is a Reese's peanut butter cup of awesome. <laughs> but then the fight between Deadpool and Taskmaster, now... On, uh, in one respect, this is kind of true to form because Taskmaster has a lot of trouble fighting Deadpool because he cannot mimic Deadpool's style. Deadpool is like one of the few people who he can't learn his moves because Deadpool's moves are all in his head. He's like he's, – because he's just nuts. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that, I like that. But the fight between the two of them literally is boring and stupid and consists of Deadpool dancing and singing about shaking his milkshake. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and and I, it, you know, all the while, you know, Taskmaster, it, Taskmaster might as well be slipping on a banana peel in the background. It was horrible. I wanted to yeah. cry. I was like, what is the point? What is the point of having Clancy Brown, one of the best voice actors and superhero cartoons out there? What is the point of bringing him in to do this? Yeah, I, I felt insulted. I was like, I no, you don't, you don't waste a man's talents like this. This is horrible. Yeah. So uh, so then Spidey and Deadpool fight, and, it, and it's literally – it's a sissy boy slap party. They are literally like slapping one another like little kids, like, you know, with their <laughs> forearms, you know, yeah. like that kind of shit. I mean, but mm-hmm. like for an extended amount of time. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, the, one, the it ended on a, uh, on a pretty good note because Deadpool has a good line right before he leaves. You know, Spidey's like, you ought to feel terrible, and then Deadpool's like, you know, you're right. I'm going to go home and cry myself to sleep on a bed made of money. <laughs> Which is a Don Draper line, you know, from uh, Mad Men. Don Draper says that in season one. Somebody says, "How can you sleep with yourself?" You know, every night, and he goes, "On a bed made of money." <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, yeah. that's that's why Don Draper's the tits. That's why he's the boss." Um, so this one gets an F. Wow, this one gets a straight up F. Uh, I, I this it was so disappointing. I love Deadpool so much. I love Spidey so much. This should have been so much better. And again, it, it, I, I say that, but that's that's this whole series overall. Should have been. What shoulda, coulda, woulda. What could have? What could have been done if they had just put a little effort in to make it, you know, something that everyone could enjoy, not just three-year-olds with ADD. <laughs> so, so those are my grades. All right. Uh, next month we're tackling uh, two more. Two more episodes. Two more. Uh, yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> episode four and episode six. I, I think I think you teased it last month for Deadpool, so I was looking forward to that. Is, do you know what's coming up next with the next uh, couple? Of- hang on a minute. I got a I, I got a list here. Hang on here. I'm gonna pull it up. 
Papa, where are we here? For season one, I don't because I'd have to go back and look at Netflix, but for season... Here we go. I'm almost there. Let's see here. Where did I put my list? Oh, Venom Bomb. Yeah, it's Venom. Oh, God. Venom I haven't seen that one yet. I've seen... Green Goblin allows himself to be captured by Spider-Man's team and unleashes the Venom symbiote symbiote on the Tri-Carrier when Goblin adds Venom powers to his own Spider-Man Doc Ock are forced to find a common ground taking out the Goblin for good. So this is the this is the ultimate Goblin, which you hate, and JR hates, right? Yeah, so automatically that one's going to get an F. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the one after that is like Guardians of the Galaxy, and I've actually seen that one, and it's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, yeah. But yeah, if that's the case, I, I hadn't seen the uh, the Venom one yet, so uh, if that's the case, then yeah, that one's going to get a straight up F. I, I don't even know why I'm bothering to review it. I mean, if it's got ultimate, <laughs> it's got the ultimate Green Goblin fire throwing, you know, Hulk clone in there, yeah, it's oh crap. Uh, the other episode from season one, episode four, is Venom also. <laughs> oh God, it's just. It's, I wonder if this is the one where it comes out of the toilet because my God, that was bad. It's going to be rain and suck, you know, next time. <laughs> bring it's bring a sack be a good month. Bring a sack lunch and remember who your uh, who your traveling buddy is. Uh, for, that's all I'm going to say because it, it's going to get bad next month. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, keep it with the reviews. It's time for Spider Satellites. Uh, Kev, what are we uh, tackling this month? How many books? Um, that's an interesting question. I have not not fifteen what again. You would call counted. Um, I think it's ten. Okay. Um. We had 15 last month, and it would just kept... Yeah, and last time we did, like, two months' worth uh, of satellites. This time, I think... I mean, I mentioned it before, but we should uh, we should say it at the beginning of the segment. We're doing a new thing with uh, the Spider Satellites segment starting with this show, um, in which I'm only going to review the books that came out in, within the span of one certain calendar month. Um, which is this month I'm going to do all the books that came out in September, even though it's October 12th. I'm not doing any October books because Bragg gets his comics monthly. We spent a couple of years with our former sponsor advising people to get their books monthly, so we're not going to spoil the uh, the new stuff for people that haven't gotten their monthly box yet. Um, so for September, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven... Eight. I've got eight issues, and I believe, Brad, you're going to do some Carnage? Two Carnages. So carnage, two ten. and three. Okay, ten bucks. Which is Go ahead. Where, where kind we of a lot for just that one calendar month, don't you think? Yeah, it's a lot of satellites in the sky. Good thing everything's being canceled. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Half of this shit's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? We said that last time, and then and then we still got all this other stuff now. Well, the yeah, problem is they haven't had their last issues yet. Literally, oh, okay. four it, of the issues, back, four yeah, of these eight issues back. I'm doing are from books that are canceled. And Brad's two are from miniseries. So, um, anyway, we're going to start off on a high note uh, because Lord knows we're going to some low ones. Um, but Superior <laughs> Foes of Spider-Man number three is going to start yeah. us off. Um, Good. Good book. Yeah, if you've been listening to Spire Satellites, I think you know by now, me and Brad have really been enjoying this book. And uh, it keeps it up. Uh, in this issue, uh, Boomerang gives the audience the story on the head of Silvio Silvermane, um, which starts off with a hilarious false story of what the criminal underworld believes happened to the head. Um, but it was actually found by the owl directly after their gang war, and the owl's been keeping it ever since. 
Boomerang uh, then in real life meets with Mach 7, who seems to sincerely want to help him. And uh, But when Boomerang gets back to his crew and tells him the location of the head of Silvio Silvermane, they promptly kick him out since he's been tailed by a superhero now. Um, that prompts him to return to Mach 7, and after a just <clears throat> gut-bustingly hysterical Supervillains Anonymous scene, uh, Boomerang spills the beans to Mach 7 about the Sinister Now 4's current plan, um, so he can get, so he, Boomerang, can get revenge on them. And then those four are caught very much surprised when Luke Cage and Iron Fist bust through their wall, having been sent by Mach 7. Yeah. And that is where we cliffhang this month. Um, this one gets an A+. It is flat out the most entertaining comic I've read in recent memory. Um, the fake story of Silvermane's head, um, which has to do with like the son of the guy that owns the dump finding the head and like mounting it on a little like automated car, and Silvio <laughs> becomes part of the family on his little car. It is the most ridiculous thing. Um, and you know, thank God it turned out to be a complete lie because it's it's absolutely. <laughs> hey uh, Kevin, yeah. Have any of the stories been called "Bring Me the Head of Marco Silvermane"? Not yet. <laughs> okay, because there's a movie called uh, "Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia." Mm. So if if you Actually, see that, then that's where that comes from. I remember mm. um, lamenting at the top of one of my reviews of this series that there are no titles. Um, something I, I miss in a lot of modern comics, a lot of. Uh, Seems like a lot of the ones I've been reviewing, especially, are kind of going without titles these days, and I, I miss a good oh, title. What a give up, you know? Yeah, um, but yeah, there's just there's so much absolute gold in this comic. It's just you you got to give this one a try. If, if nothing else from the Spider Satellite segment, I really hope people give Superior Foes a try. Um, obviously, I've read ahead to number four already, and it's also excellent. Just just pick up the book. Yeah, I think they don't give them t- uh, titles because they trade paperback and give them a title. When they bound them together. Yeah, it seems like you're more doing, like, uh, arc titles. Like, um, Scarlet Spider has had, like, the current one is Into the Grave, because it's parts one, two, and three, and you can do that on a trade paperback. But Superior Mm -hmm. Foes, while it has an overarching story, is more of a single-issue thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's probably why it's not having uh, titles... I can't remember the last time you gave an A plus. My goodness, it's just so man. I put down that comic, and it's just one of those things that you feel happy you read comics. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of those. Were you yeah. like Ralphie's teacher? I don't remember know. in like Christmas what story mean? where she's like when she writes on the board A plus 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 plus. She just keeps going because she's so happy. <laughs> Is that what she wrote down? A plus plus. Nothing but a compass which tells time. Remember, you know. No, okay. I'll be over here in the corner. That's- <laughs> no, I, 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 I hate a Christmas That's... story. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, what? I know it makes me like un-American, but like I've I've seen the marathons of that movie. Un-American, on holidays. it may be like... you don't have a soul. <laughs> it's just it's a portrayal of this this kid's absolute shit life, and I don't really enjoy watching that. Yeah, you're right. Growing up three squares in a day with a roof over his head. What a bastard! <laughs> Old man works for a living, you know. Oh, the beauty of this show, we, we diss a Christmas in the middle of the damn Spider-Man review. I, I've never met anyone... Where the hell did this show go? I've never met anyone who hates that movie. Yeah, I haven't either. I'm still... Kevin George, George Kevin. Uh, anyway, um, let's move on. Um, speaking, speaking of things Kevin didn't like, are we going to Venom? Yeah. Actually, we are going to Venom, but the grades aren't that bad. 
Okay. Um, I got, We're going out strong for that book, huh? Yeah, we got two issues of Venom to do. Um, we're starting out, but then we're going to finish up. But <laughs> it's something. Um, so Venom number 40. Flash is called to Texas by Katie Kiernan, at which point I was thinking, good God, we're going to have another Scarlet Spider crossover. It didn't happen. Um, called to see the dead body of Damon Hellstrom with his pentagram ripped off his chest. While he's gone, the new kid symbiote Mania tears through Lord Ogre's henchman. God, how I hate the name Lord Ogre. Um, and she <laughs> almost gets to it. Flash then visits the, oh my God, totally alive Damon Hellstorm in prison, um, positing that someone is trying to take out the competition for the next Lord of Hell with this whole Descent storyline, although that doesn't explain why the guy in Texas looked just like Hellstorm. We'll have to wait till the next issue for that. Um... Hellstorm then reveals to Flash that Flash is no longer marked. Um, basically, you have to have been reading this series for a long friggin' time. If you remember back to the circle of four, it was 14, 14.1, 14.2, 14.3, and 14.4. Um, yeah. In one of the silliest numberings of all time. Until DC's Villains Month. Oh, well. Um, By the way, little side note I've been reading the D- DC Villain books. I haven't read a good one yet. There was I, I read a couple. It was a mixed bag. There were some really good, but a couple that I absolutely detested. Um, which one did I love? Rachel Ghoul was good. Did you read that one? I haven't read that one yet. I read Riddler, uh, Joker, and Harley Quinn. Man. Riddler I thought was decent. Joker I read a preview of. It looked awful. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I, anyway, I go ahead. I tried Zod. And it was Sorry. terrible. They removed everything good about Zod, and I'm still pissed about that. Now I'll move yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, so way back in Circle of Four, Flash and a couple other people, um, including Hellstorm, were marked by Mephisto with this uh, sort of unseen pentagram, although Hellstorm already had a pentagram on his chest, so whatever. Um, and it meant that they were candidates to fill his spot when this prophesied descent happened, where Mephisto becomes the actual devil as if he wasn't already, uh, and the person, one of the people that was marked takes Mephisto's spot. Um, I'm telling you this because I haven't covered it in Spire Satellites, and dear God, it happened like five years ago. Um, anyway, Hellstorm reveals that Flash is no longer marked. The pentagram is no longer on him. Um, at the same time, Crossbones shows up in Philadelphia with a gang and discovers that Mania, the new kid symbiote, uh, now bears that mark, and he intends to kill her. Um, this one gets a B minus. It's it's still a decently entertaining issue. I'm liking Mania. Um, the Hellboard stuff and the continued absolutely wrong characterization of Hellstorm, which we'll address in the next issue, thank God. Um, was not missed from the book from me, and its return really adds a minus to that uh, B grade. Plus, if you read X-Factor, this can in absolutely no way fit in with X-Factor's Hell on Earth War arc. I mean, it makes absolutely no sense now. Right, Guido is the king of hell, but I guess there's layers of hell the way I interpret it. There are different sections. In in Marvel's Hell, there are different sections. Each of them has their own hell lord. Um, Right. I, I, I envision like Guido was one of them. The Hell on Earth War was so uh, one of those Hell Lords could kind of become the main one over the rest of them. And mm-hmm. it, their shocking twist ending was that Guido, freaking strong guy, won. He knocked off Mephisto, and now, from what I read, Guido is Lord of Hell, and Mephisto doesn't really have any power. So 
this whole thing, the idea of the descent, is pretty much blown apart <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So I don't really know what he's doing, and he's got one issue left that I haven't that hasn't come out yet. Um, pretty sure it's not enough time to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, although um, in <laughs> in the uh, announcement for all new X Factor, which you know is a whole other topic, Peter David said that he's heard somebody has plans with Guido. So I don't know where that is or where that's going. Yeah. Anyway, lots of side notes. I apologize. We're kind of getting off track here. Um, but I'm number 41. Damon Hellstrom reveals that when he found out about the descent, he created several doubles of himself, and he sent them into the world to explore all the possibilities. If you want to talk about X-Factor, that's a straight-up Madrix ripoff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I thought, too. Yeah. Or a clone. But here is where... A spider gets, clone. Here is where it gets really good. He says that he himself probably isn't the original. And I bowed down and I kissed the ground and praised Cullen Bunn uh, for giving us an out that all this terrible Hellstorm characterization isn't the actual Hellstorm. I'm now satisfied and I don't have to hate this book forever and ever. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, best thing he could have done for me. So... uh, off in Philadelphia, Mania damn near kills Lord Ogre uh, before he mentions the chemical weapon on his chest that is triggered by his death, and Venom crashes in to stop her. Before much longer, Crossbones and his gang crash in, and while they do manage to kill Lord Ogre, Venom quickly solves the chemical weapon problem by tossing it into the dimension inside of one of the bad guy's chests. I believe it's Lord Pandemonium or Master Pandemonium. He's like an old Avengers West Coast villain that's really freaking silly. Yeah, that that guy's weird. Yeah, and although <laughs> yeah, yeah. now he's popping up as one of the henchmen of Crossbones and <laughs> getting bitched by Venom, so that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, so you, know who the, you know who that guy is, Brad? Not really. Um, his, I, I, his thing was like he would rip open his chest and monsters would come out of his chest. Mm, okay. Yeah, and and this one, uh, I think Cullen Bunn must hate him <laughs> because uh, <laughs> Venom threw a uh, Venom threw a chemical weapon into his chest. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. After that, as if that wasn't bad enough, um, Mania having the pentagram on her chest is able to control demons. So she actually made the things from inside his chest turn on him. <laughs> oh. Poor Pandemonium was screwed. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> As if appearing in a West Coast Avengers book wasn't enough. Yeah, we're gonna. <laughs> hey, I'm there too. So uh, I don't yeah. know what book Kellen Bunn's been reading. Mm, uh, mercy. So anyway, Flash then communicates with the symbiote to ask it uh, basically what the hell, and the symbiote tells him that it cut out the demon that was inside him to protect him. And basically, that's what mania is. Um, And Flash tells Andy in a very kind of big twist, um, they have to make a deal with the devil. And that's where this one cliffhangs. Um, This one gets a C+. More and more of the descent means less and less enjoyment. Uh, Though, yeah, I... As I was saying before, I pray to God this is the last word on Hellstorm in this series. Um, Because if it is, I... I can die happy, basically. Um, 
it didn't feel like something that was planned from the beginning. It felt more like cleanup, but I'm totally fine with that. And I actually really appreciate Cullen Bunn making the effort to do the cleanup on that. So, barring any twists next issue, we can just say this was a double gone wrong, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, except that it's kind of the same thing that happened in Hellstorm, Prince of Lies, number one. But whatever! Um, <laughs> I gotta say, though, on another note, that the sort of uh, vision quest scene that Flash had with the symbiote was really well done. Um, that's where the plus on the sea comes from for this issue. The symbiote in that rightly points out that it's only ever wanted to help Flash, even gave him legs, and Flash has just drugged it and used it, and yet it still helps him by cutting the demon out of him. It was, just, it was a really strong that's good. character scene. I, I quite liked it. That's good. Yeah, like I say, this book is definitely going out on a stronger note than it's been for like 20 issues, so where this material has been, I don't know. Um, we're moving on to uh, a new book launch that I originally wasn't really planning to pick up, but I kind of picked it up on a whim, and so I figured I'd throw it in Spider Satellites, Mighty Avengers number one. Um, this is a book that heavily features Superior Spider-Man, so it seemed worth talking about. Uh, in this one, Luke Cage, we start with, is uh, running a new Heroes for Hire with the new Power Man and the new White Tiger. And they're protecting a Horizon Lab shipment, and they're shown up and insulted by the superior Spider-Man, like he does these days. Um, White Tiger takes his insults to heart, because she really respects Spider-Man, and she quits the team. Uh, meanwhile, somewhere else, we've got Spectrum, a.k.a. Monica Rambeau, a.k.a. Photon, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. She's called Spectrum now, people. Uh, yeah. She visits her costumer after she busts up a crook of her own, and she's visited by someone she knows uh, who's completely kept in shadow. Um, then at a cafe, Luke Cage and the new Power Man part ways, and then Thanos forces from the Infinity Event attack. And uh, Monica's shadowy friend says he can't be seen in country. And she points out that he's in a costume shop, dummy. So in the streets of New York, you have Luke Cage, the superior Spider-Man, and Spectrum facing down Thanos' minions. And they are then in the end joined by Monica's friend, who is now costumed as the Splendiferous Spider-Hero. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a green and yellow Spider-Man suit, kind of. Yeah, if I remember it's, like a, it's like a really, really cheap ass knockoff Chinese version of Spider-Man Halloween costume. <laughs> I, I thought I giggled a little bit. I thought it was funny. Um, any <laughs> guesstimates who that character is, Kevin? I have absolutely no idea. I've thought about it, and I. I there's a big uh, love letter in the back of this comic from Al Ewing, the writer, about just how much he loves Monica Rambeau. And that's yeah, big, I like that. I like that. And considering that he's introduced as a friend of her, I assume this is somebody that's related uh, in some way to her history. And I don't really know her history, so my guess I'm a, is... I'm a big Monica Rambeau fan, yeah. Who, who is a friend that uh, could be on the team, George? Um, of- somebody that can't be seen in country right now. I think in her origin story, and uh, Jr., you may be able to remember this too. In Amazing Spider-Man Annual, what was it thirteen? Sixteen. 16. Yeah, I remember um, that turkey. Didn't didn't she go, <laughs> didn't she go up against somebody that she knew, like from the Force or something like that? I uh, I don't remember. I just remember being disgusted that I had to pay to get a 16-page ad for a comic I had no intention of ever picking up. I remember uh, she ran around in a white bikini, and I liked that part. <laughs> um, yeah, the only she, real... she was also 
And New Universal. No, I mean, uh, no, what was the name of that group Ellis wrote that she was? Next Wave. That's Next Wave. I didn't read that book, but I wonder if it could be one of those characters. Uh, the only real uh, clue we get, if it's a clue, is that he's uh, he's using nunchucks. So, I mean, <laughs> it makes me think martial arts hero. Um, but, I mean, there aren't, like, a huge amount of those. It's definitely not Shang-Chi or Iron Fist. Well, you know, uh, Iron Fist has that uh, arch-enemy um, steel, steel serpent. You know, would he be a friend of Monica that came to Monica, like, to hang out? I don't know. You know, anything can, anything can happen in a foxhole, Kevin. I mean, you know, you, you never know what's going off off-panel, right? <laughs> you know, one thing, Kevin, the book that, that, that rubbed me just a little bit wrong was about how Doc Ock is, is lecturing Luke Cage and the other heroes about My God, how this he... Is, this is one of the places that uh, it, it, it's so, so... Uh, suspension of disbelief is blown apart that people aren't guessing this isn't Peter freaking Parker. Exactly. <clears throat> Doc Ock is talking about how, you know what, I do this for free, and you guys shouldn't charge money for this, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I was like... Yeah, I mean, mm. he's portrayed as such a dick that I, just, I, yeah. I really can't take seriously Luke Cage, not punch him in the Tic Tacs. It's, <laughs> it's weird. Um, I do, though, I mean, I give this issue a B+. Plus. Uh, yeah. It was a pretty good introductory issue, bringing us up to date on the characters um, pretty quickly, gives them a reason to be in the same place. It's very much the spiritual successor to Bendis' last volume of New Avengers with Luke Cage leading a street-level team. And that was a pretty successful concept for several years, so good on him. Um, it was enough. It was entertaining enough for me to give number two a try, but not to pull, put on my pull list. Um, and I'll, I, I can go ahead and spoil I've read number two. It wasn't bad, but I ended up not pulling it. Number two will probably be my last. That's too bad. It just it didn't you know, the second issue kind of it kept up the this is decent but didn't raise it, so and i I'm you know, I don't have a whole lot of money right now. <laughs> yeah. And you see how many freaking satellites there are. Exactly. No doubt. What else we got? Um we got an auspicious issue, my friend. Mm-hmm. Morbius number nine. <laughs> oh last, last issue. Last issue. Are you happy? He's happy. That's dead. <laughs> the final issue of Morbius the Living Vampire in a hoodie. Um, <laughs> let's put this piece of crap to rest, shall we, gentlemen? Yeah. Um, so this issue cuts back and forth between Becky the Sidekicks, uh, one year later art show, and Morbius coming back from the brink of death after last issue to kick the Rose's ass. Turns out, though, that the Rose is a nobody. And the threat of Morbius's mother being captive was bullcrap, because she died years ago. Uh, yeah, swear I, I, I'm not making this up. Morbius wow. kills the Rose, the nobody, and has a chat with his dad, the master villain, about how this was always the plan, and he was just supposed to be a martyr to inspire Brownsville, so he can never let them know he's alive. And then one year later, Morbius is wearing a hoodie and meeting Becky for a drink, and that is where we ended this. I think the character that played the Rose also was the fifth goblin, right, JR? Because <laughs> uh, Kevin's as pissed as about that nobody as you were about that goblin nobody. Well, yeah, well, the thing is, though, the, the goblin nobody had a, had a fairly strong build-up, and, you know, a lot of people were guessing the solution was just throw, you know, a throwaway. Well, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Um, first of all, I give this issue a D. Um, talking about it again, I'm kind of leaning towards F. I'm not sure where the D came from, but that's what I wrote down. Uh, <laughs> so I'll, I'll go with it. 
Um, it, it was a really poor ending to the series, and the series wasn't good to begin with. Uh, the worst thing, though, is they spent a lot of time talking about how pointless all this has been, and they're 100% right. <laughs> it's it's like Keating, and it's it's weird. There's a letter in the back of the issue from Keating where you can see some of his frustration. Um, he, he mentions the whole Morbius in a hoodie direction and said it's not the direction he would have gone, but it's what they explored. And it, it makes me wonder, where did this come from? Yeah, it's, was it's he, not was Keating's he, idea. It's not an idea he seems to even like. He seems frustrated by the whole thing and the pointlessness stuff in this. Is, again, it really is pointless, and he's the one writing that. So I just I don't know what happened behind the scenes here, but it's very strange. And to me, the the thing with the rose, not only just the fact that it was like the one interesting thing drawing me through the series is what is the identity of the Rose, and it turned out to be nobody, um, but revealing the Rose to be part of a no-name franchise of Roses was a really bad move, because now that name has no meaning. I'm the Rose isn't scary anymore, because it means I'm the faceless employee. It's, yeah. it's a very... I mean, you talk about... You know, taking a doing. We were talking about on this podcast taking a villain down to the C list because of something that you do with him. This this takes the rose off the list. Yeah, because anybody could be him, and we don't care now. Now, if somebody shows up as the rose, it's not an individual villain. It's just basically like any you know employee of the kingpin wearing a suit. Right, Brad. You remember how cool he was when he showed up in the mid eighties? Oh yeah, dude. He was yeah, such what? a hoss. It just came out of nowhere and just owned it. Yeah. I mean, my God. He he ended up being uh, Kingpin's son, right? Yeah, Richard. And then yeah, he had Richard that story Fist. where, like, him and, and and that girl that found him, and it, it was, oh, God, it was a magical time. The Rose was, was cool. What what killed him? I mean, what, what <sighs> killed that character before uh, the more King, solo? Kingpin or Vanessa had him killed. I don't remember. Kevin, do you remember? No, I meant the, pop, the popularity no, no. of the character. Oh, like, we remember Blood I, Rose. Yeah, when it became Blood Rose, by then it was like, okay, well, we've given up now. Blood Rose, all right. Because of the 90s Thanks. and you throw the word blood or metal onto something. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the same mentality that gave us Nightwatch, the Spawn ripoff. Right. <laughs> and, I, and there's one bastard out there with like, this is the Nightwatch fan site, and I've pissed him off now. <laughs> I have a complete run of Nightwatch. Dude, there's a 29 character legit. Did I just say that out loud? Why would you admit to that, Brad? I'm so sorry. I got a big collection I, of fifties nudie books over here in the corner. What? <laughs> I, 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 it was the nineties. <laughs> what am I going to do? That's true. Right? We were all. It was Spider-Man related. We were all I'm doing like, weird shit back then. No doubt, no doubt. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Anyway, nine issues of the Morbius book. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? You know, here's the thing. So, I, that, after this that was book. over, um, I kind of. I celebrated by buying on eBay the entire run of Adventure into Fear starring Morbius, yes. Morbius' first solo comic. Um, thankfully, my birthday was two days after this issue came out, so I had some birthday money. Um, and I also managed to reclaim uh, – I, I said this in the podcast yesterday, uh, so I'm sorry for repeating myself. Um, but I managed to reclaim like the entire Midnight Suns line of comics. Um, so I can enjoy – when this character was good again. And the thing I've been thinking since this series ended was just how bad a time it has been for Marvel horror characters, Marvel supernatural characters for the past several years. Um, because 
I think in part they're just not being allowed to be themselves. We keep trying to reinvent the wheel in a way that doesn't make any sense. Morbius is, instead of allowed to exist in the world that Morbius exists in, he was thrown into Brownsville in a hoodie talking like a hipster. And to get to the core of the character, we have to put him in Brownsville in a, in a hoodie. It just makes yeah. no to get sense. Back to in, the same way, in the same way that the last time we tried to relaunch Blade, you have Blade chew off his arm and get it replaced with a gun at the same time <laughs> that his father is re- revealed to be a white guy, and Hannibal King comes back in a Hawaiian shirt talking about how much he loves his lemonade with a southern crawl. <laughs> It's the same mentality that's was given that Guggenheim's, Guggenheim's us. That was Guggenheim's blade. blade. It's the yeah. same mentality that's given us a Damon Hellstorm, uh, who went from leather pants wearing goth kid in Bendis's New Avengers to Jesuit priest in Marvel Zombies to <laughs> mustache twirling villain in Venom. Uh, and all these characters, it's just they're not being allowed to just be themselves in the ways that they worked. These characters once worked, um, and it was when they existed in the world they were supposed to exist in, frankly. And it, it just seems like we're trying to do we're trying to do these very different things that make them not the characters we love. And I wish somebody would stop trying to reinvent the wheel and just write a damn Marvel Supernatural series. 90s was a hard time for Spider-Man, but the 90s was a great time for Ghost Rider and the Midnight Suns. Jesus, it was the best time. Out, the 70s yes. and 90s are the Marvel mm-hmm. Supernatural characters' times. Yes, and, and you know you can compare and contrast that, Kevin, to what they're doing now by reinventing the wheel. And, and you're exactly right. That's what they're doing. None of this is necessary. It was not necessary to, to take Dracula. The the you know mm, scary you're totally right. you know the scary crusty Jack Palance based character you know that Marv Wolfman wrote for a decade and made him terrifying and they turn him into that that you know chalky skin pansy jackass. Well, now he's all, instead of being the the scary horror character with some majesty to him, he's got to be this strange warrior character in armor with big old hoop earrings and long white hair. And it's it's not even the same character. And, um, his, and, his, and his armor has claws. Let me, let me tell you something, Jack. The original Marvel Dracula didn't need any damn claws. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he took on the damn X-Men. Well, and as yeah. I've already said to George in private, I can't wait until we get to uh, the Halloween special of Ultimate Spider-Man on this show because I went ahead and wa- I'm, not, I'm not a usual viewer of Ultimate Spider-Man, but I went ahead and watched that because Blade. Um, I pretty much watch things that have Blade in them, and uh, you know they actually it was a surprisingly good episode overall. Terry Crews did a great Blade. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of what they did. I especially loved in their cutscenes. They had uh, like the original '70s logos for these characters. It, oh, nice, so good. Um, but the Dracula was to to borrow George's phrase, the jackassy modern Dracula. <laughs> and I was just I was watching that thinking, God, I can't wait until George rips into this. You know what? That, that must have been a Quesada thing. You know, because I, it, it was done under Axel, but Quesada is still the chief character officer or whatever the hell, you know, that they get the new chief title. Chief officer. Yeah. And that must have been a him thing. Because, it was I mean. As a part of. It, it was all masterminded, evidently, by Victor Gishler, um, who is a writer that I have not enjoyed any of what he's done. He, uh, he should go right along with my sensibilities. 
I mean, he should be right up my alley because this guy came in and tried to reinvigorate Marvel vampires into being a big thing. Um, he started off with the death of Dracula, and then he. But it was it was such a weird idea to infuse the vampires into X Men. I mean, yes, there's been some crossover there before, but not like this. And it goes into the Tomb of Dracula special, and I just did not enjoy any of what he was doing. And it was more of that reinvention of the wheel that wasn't necessary. And I did not like any of it. And it was just announced today that he's taking over the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 10 comics. I guess what I'm not reading. Well, see, the, yeah. and it's sad because in the 90s with, the, with that whole Midnight Suns thing, which I should, that should be an omnibus. That whole thing. <laughs> there, it, could, it could be a several. I'd say, honest <laughs> God, there's too much of it. And, <laughs> and to be fair, I have three volumes of a Tomb of Dracula omnibus, so you could do something like that. But it's, I, you know, the, the whole Midnight Suns thing from the 90s, you know, was, was very successful. It was under the radar, you know, I mean, because they had other stuff going on. It wasn't Spider-Man. It wasn't the Avengers, you know, but they did market it. But, I, it, but it wound up being more successful, I think, than most people anticipated. Well, I mean, Howard Mackey wrote issue one and knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. When fans are clamoring for something, Howard Mackey wrote it. I remember, I remember <sighs> that first issue just sold the hell out. They had, did so many reprints of issue oh, yeah. one, and when that came out, they didn't expect that thing to go off as well as it. But did. But it goes back to what Kevin said about reinventing the wheel. In the nineties, they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They get, you know, they updated the costumes a little bit, but they let them be themselves, if not worse. And somehow. Um Howard Mackey managed that with Ghost Rider, even with a new character. He had yeah. he had Dan he created Dan Ketch, uh, he created kind of a new look for him, and yet I think he caught the spirit of it enough that it didn't matter that it was a different character. Yeah, right. And uh, he just did such a good job. I mean, he really he reinvented Ghost Rider uh, in a way that was totally true to what it was. Um, I mean, the stuff that you think of now, you know, the the spiky leather jacket, the chain, the pennant stare, that's all Howard Mackey created for Dan Ketch. It's just been grafted on to Johnny Blaze. Yep. What else? What's our next book, sir? I apologize for the huge tangent. Um, you know, I had <laughs> no, no, I, I, I like Midnight Sun Talk. I, I, I kind of had I to eulogize the Morbius series in some way. That I is the end of the series in this segment. And, you know, yeah. God bless him for trying, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, hopefully we didn't kill it. We'll get another Morbius solo book in twenty years. <laughs> you know, I'll say I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Give the Dark Avengers title to the Midnight Suns characters, and Please. I know you won't let me write it, but <laughs> get somebody that knows what they're talking Give about. Give it to Nick Spencer. Why? Well, he does a great job with characters that. Uh, I mean that. With the uh, the Sinister Four and the the oh, Superior Foes, Superior Foes. I don't know. I mean, I, he just does he does villains well. I would be and interested. These are I wonder. Villains. I wonder if Rob Williams would be uh, good at it because I thought his Ghost Rider series was surprisingly good, even though again it was a different character. Oh, the the girl yeah. Ghost Rider. Yeah, it was a surprisingly entertaining uh, yeah. series. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I don't know. Next, <laughs> um, next up, we've got Scarlet Spider number twenty-two. With Craven. Let me tell you what happens in this story. Kane beats up Anna Craven, then meets Craven the Hunter for a showdown. That's it. That's the issue. Um, this well, it was a good one. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> this one gets a C minus. Oh, damn. Uh, well, I mean, as, as you can tell from the very brief rundown, not a lot happened here. 
Um, though, with not a lot happening, Craven did find time to spend three pages recounting his origin story, and further than that, pontificate about the hunt and whatnot a lot. So, yeah, that's that's all we got. And this is part two of three. It's not like it's a long story. We just wasted an issue. Although, I mean, the, the one good thing about this issue really is that uh, after... You know, it's kind of been hanging over Kane's head for a few years now. That moment that's always made fun of when he ran like a little girl away from the little girl Craven. Yes, Penny the, the Hooker. Yeah, um, Skittles, man, you you are mangling that title. Um, <laughs> Skittles the Penny Hooker. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah. So this issue, we finally get Kane just absolutely beating her down. So yes, that, maybe that's why I liked it so much. Maybe it's that scene that made me... Because I don't have a big part of, of the issue, though. It was like so much of the issue was just like all the stuff of Craven talking about his origin and just like... I have seen... I read Craven's Last Hunt. I know what Craven thinks about the hunt. I know Craven enjoys the hunt. Anything, if you've ever read anything with Craven, the hunter, you are already familiar with how much he likes and respects the freaking hunt. I don't need to hear it just preached about for 15 pages. Well, he also talks about how he wants to die in this one, too, doesn't he? It's been a little a bit. Weeks. Yeah, he mostly went with the hunt, and then in the end it was like, Kane, I want you to kill me! Like, exactly. I, yeah. We're going to drop I mean, this bigger like idea it. in after we've spent all these pages on stuff that is well-tread already. Mm. So I just thought this this issue, especially for being part two of only a three-part story, was incredibly story-light. And I was put off a lot by that. That guy's not too now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, the next one you're doing is Superior Team-Up, is that right? That is correct. Okay, that's the one I hated. <laughs> um, go ahead. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it gets a slightly higher grade than Scarlet Spider, but no, as slight as that. possible. <laughs> Scarlet Spider got a C-, minus, so you probably know what this one gets. Um, yeah. No, not a plus. As slight as possible. <laughs> that would be so a C, this, Brad. That would, Sorry. That'd be a straight up C. Thank you, George, for... I, th- I thought I was being more cryptic than I realized. Well, you got well, you got to spell I, it I, out for Joe, Mo. You know, you've got to spell it. Hey, 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 Brad, where does Wonder Woman live? <laughs> He's just in Missouri sipping on some Mountain Dew, not giving a crap. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, so in this one, while the Mighty Avengers... Oh, hey, crossover. Uh, battle the Thanos invasion... A medieval studies undergrad named Sylvia gets transformed by some unknown force into living electricity. Jesus. stuff. Um, Spidey's... Oh, and with this whole unknown force thing, uh, this could have been released in a much better order, because if it had been released after the following issue of Infinity, we would have known it was a Terrigen Mist's thing. Anyway... Um, and I, I totally just put that together when I was reading... <laughs> when I was rereading my notes. Uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, that that tells you what scheduling can do to a book. Um, so Spidey's robots alert him when uh, she freaks out, and he tries to help her. But when she goes into the power lines for transportation, which was his suggestion, she ends up trapped in the grid and realizes she can blow it up and turn the clock back to the old days that she idolizes. Mm. This one gets to see. Um, although, much like an earlier issue I was talking about, can't remember which one, um, I would have probably, now that I'm talking about it in more hindsight, I probably would grade it lower, but C is what I wrote down. And let me just tell you, though, Brad, number four, oh, that baby's an F. Um, oh, <laughs> this one was an F for me, so it's going to be a G for me. Next. Part four is so much worse. 
God. the listeners. And Mr. Mr. Yost isn't even writing the book anymore, is he? He's writing the book. He's just not writing these two issues. He's not off as well, I don't writer. blame him. These um, were horrible. Well, this is the weird thing. I think this was a really quickly thrown together fill-in, and I think it had possibly covers already done. Um, why do I say that? Because Chris Yost had already talked about in an interview I read uh, – that he was doing this Infinity crossover, the official Infinity crossover in Superior Spider-Man team-up, and that they would be creating a new Sun Girl. All of a sudden, Chris Yost is not doing this Infinity crossover. Rod Rohde is. And we don't have Sun Girl, but we have this character, Fulmina, who sure looks like that. Fulmina? Fulmina is her, her hero name. It's some medieval bullcrap name because Fulmina. she's in medieval studies. I'm fulmin of the bullshit. It means lighter yeah. <laughs> something. Um, yeah, it's it's really really bad, is what it is. Um, I'm 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 going to be blunt and say it's a complete waste of time. It's it, it's a complete which lie. Which was worse, Morbius Nine or this? Uh, well, look at the grades. Uh, <laughs> Morbius Nine was worse. Morbius Nine right. was Morbius Nine was ba- a lot of pages telling me how pointless. Nine issues I just read work. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> I'll, give you, this, I'll give you that. This one is a complete lie as an Infinity tie-in. Um, yeah. The aliens that are being fought could be any goons. They're not important at all. It's really just the story of this girl, and I frankly don't care. She's not a realistic person. She isn't developed enough to make me interested before she loses it. Um, and she's so so much worse next issue, um, which is part part of why I'm keeping this graded to C instead of dropping it because there is there are two letter grades to fall for next issue. Um, and, and you paid three ninety nine for it. No. Yeah, and you paid three ninety nine for it. Um, yeah. No. I do have to praise Rod Rohde, um for one thing, and that is dealing with the psyche of a Doctor Octopus who's had a conscience shoved down his throat, which I haven't really seen addressed in a long time in the Superior books. Uh, he has a moment when he's seeing the destruction and the carnage caused by Thanos' forces that he's disgusted and then realizes that as Dr. Octopus, his plans for the city were no less catastrophic. I thought that was a really good touch in an otherwise completely superfluous issue. Um, the art by Rod- Mike Del Mundo actually is good, though, and it's nice to see that his style has evolved to fit more mainstream superhero books better because I've seen his work before and it it really didn't fit a superhero style before, and I think he's he's making more of an effort to do a superhero book that looks a little bit more like a superhero book. Rod Rohde is an awesome name. It makes him sound like a stunt, you know, like a stunt stunt biker or racer or something. It makes me think of the announcer for The Price is Right. Oh, Rod Roddy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this is, this is his cousin, Rod Roddy, who's kind of a badass. Yeah, come on down. And he'll cut you in a knife fight if you look at his bike wrong. Come on down to The Price is Right, you mother. Hey, <laughs> maybe, brother. It is, maybe it is Roddy. It's spelled R-O-D-I. I, I just say Roddy in my head. I don't know. <laughs> um, we got I got one book left before I turn okay. over to Brad. Um, I'm sorry to, especially George and JR, this segment is going long. Uh, we got ten bo- or eight books. I know, man. It's just you're getting through them a lot faster than last time. You are, yeah. Because well, last time there were fifteen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one for me is Ultimate Spider-Man number twenty-seven. We're going to go ahead and end on a high note. Ultimate yeah. Spider-Man is always a high note. Um, in this one, Spider-Man and Spider-Woman fight the Ultimate Taskmaster, and after a while, they figure out that he absorbs powers and can throw them back at you, which sort of like Bishop in the uh, the mainstream universe. It's a little bit different for Taskmaster, but it's it's based on his original thing. 
um, Bombshell finds her conscience after uh, she ran away. She comes back to help, but she only ends up supplying Taskmaster with explosive power, so that's not so great. Uh, so things look things look really bad until Cloak and Dagger show up, and Dagger initially makes it worse, but Cloak ends up ending the fight by absorbing Taskmaster, or whatever it is he does in his little cloak. Um, yeah. <laughs> pulls him in a cloak and then just kind of drops him and he's he's pooped out. And then on Taskmaster's phone they find the hit order that led him to them and that leads the heroes to finally mount up and go after Rox and kind of following a rather pissed off Spider-Woman which I totally love because I love Ultimate Spider-Woman. Um, this one gets an A. It's hard yep. to give this series anything but an A when it's firing on all cylinders like this. I think it's the same grade I've given every part of the storyline because it's just been that strong. The conclusion is up next, and if Galactus eats the universe, it may be the last issue of the series. Who knows? So, <laughs> and George is predicting if Bagley's back, it's done. Oh, I, that, that's <laughs> the final nail in the coffin right there, man. Yeah. Uh, last two books I'll tackle. Uh, Superior Carnage number two and number three written by Mr. Schnicked. As in the Schinnick. sound effect, uh, the Kevin Schinnick, like Wolverine's claws. It's, it, it, uh, it's Schinnick, there's no T at the end. <laughs> or, or, or it's my, like my razor. <laughs> hey, Brad, where's Wonder Woman from? <laughs> Yo, mama. Uh, <laughs> artist is Steven <laughs> Segovia, who had, I like him on pencils. Basically, the wizard has uh, abducted Cletus Cassidy, who is, is a doesn't have a brain, and the symbiote is still... Uh, a part of him, uh, and uh, they're trying to recruit and control the symbiote uh, so they can have a frightful four. Uh, and basically, uh, they re- this this scientist comes out of nowhere. His name is Doctor Malice, and he's uh, attempting to help the wizard and Claw control the symbiote, but uh, the the Claw and the Wizard uh, trick this mysterious scientist who I've never heard of, and they basically graft the symbiote, the current symbiote, onto this doctor, which, again, I have no idea. And it's revealed in the book that in FF number 7, Black Bolt punished uh, the wizard by doing something to his mind, screwing with his electrons, triggering some sort of dementia that would render him harmless, and his brain is basically messed up. And if you've read uh, FF, the Jonathan Hickman FF, there's Bentley 23, Kev, is that his name? That is correct, yes. It's the wizard's clone only as a kid, and the wizard considers him like a son. So, in, in the third issue, we, we sort of talk a bit about his tasks, but uh, the Superior Spider-Man, a.k.a. Spock, gets a heads up that um, the wizard broke Carnage out of prison, and um, he really can't be bothered in this issue because he's going off to stop the Jackal in Superior Team-Up number two, and his Spider-Bots are monitoring the situation. He's got to go. And he... Exactly. And... uh, Spider, I mean Spock talks about how uh, the wizard was a respected colleague once, and even a rival to my own genius. And Spock, uh, some quotes are: "Until you made that boy, that Bentley Twenty Three clone, and your obsession spread like the tumor that now reaches across your brain." Uh, so, anyway, so Spider- Brad, Spidey, yeah, I, uh, I looked up your Doctor Malice guy here. 
Yes, who is this guy? He first appeared in Spider-Woman number 30 in 1980. Okay. He's actually been around for a while. Uh, the little the tiny synopsis I found out issue says the fly attacks Spider-Woman under guidance from Dr. Malice, who believes he can steal her bioelectric powers. So he's, oh. he's been around doing crap that long. Um, looks like he was in Fantastic Four number 306. See if this had the wizard in it. Maybe there's a connection there. Um, he, he's also in a wheelchair. Is he really? Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're going. Brad, to, Brad, he's only in the wheelchair to pick up chicks. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the transfusion. Oh, go ahead, Kev. What were you saying? No, no, no. So I was just kind of looking at more stuff about Doctor Malice here. He's been in Thunderbolts, U.S. Agent, The Thing, Spider Woman, Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Captain America. So he's been around. I've read all those books. Don't remember him. That ought to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not a lot. He's got a, you know, as opposed to the people, he's got a fairly short list of appearances. It's like, you know, an issue of each of these things over time. Right. So basically the last page of issue two ends with Cleus Cassidy. Again, his legs are out of frame. It looks like his torso is just fine. Anyway. Uh, it, it, we his still brain... seen his damn legs in this thing? No, we, has not, we have not seen his legs. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I know, and and the Dr. Malice is hooked up in a bed across from him. The two brains are side by side. Um, here's what the quotes from, he will think I'm a god, but more importantly, what will you think, doctor, when uh, I've proven you and everybody else who doubted me wrong? Because he will no longer be, we will no longer be equals, my friend. I will be your lord, your master, your superior. And then you cut to Matt. The doctor with a big old giant symbiote tongue coming out, going nah. Anyway, How does the symbiote tongue go again, Brad? Nah, that's the sound <laughs> effect. Uh, I, I'd give this one a B minus. It's not bad. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm intrigued by the wizard. It should be called the Superior Wizard because Cleta- Car- Carnage and doing Jack. Um, but uh, the next one is number three and. Uh, it takes a little turn for the worst, I think, because I don't like the re- redesign of Carnage. The The look of Carnage is perfect. Mark Bagley knocked it out of the park when he designed this character's Word. And uh, what they do to the look of superior Carnage, imagine um, the Punisher all in red with a big old claw out of out of his right hand. And that's what the superior carnage is. Sounds awful. And, it, and it, it, it's mixed with red and purple, and it, and his head looks like an alien from a Sigourney Weaver movie. Oh God! It it it, it uh, is just a very unattractive redesign of Carnage. And at one point, he uh, picks up guns, and he really he turns the the cape looking thing into an overcoat. Uh, the symbiote creates an overcoat look to him, and it just looks so 90s and so ugly, I just can't take it. So basically, uh, now that um, the wizard has control of the mind of this doctor, who now has the symbiote on him, they uh, the wizard wants to impress his son and show him before he dies that he is powerful and he can do something uh, if he puts his mind to it. So he's going to take over New York. <laughs> and he heads straight for Mayor Jameson's office. And uh, Jameson's walking down the hallway, and all of a sudden, alarms go off, and a big explosion happens in the mayor's office. 
and uh, the wizard walks through Jameson's office. He goes to Frightful 4. Train is now in service thanks to Claw Sonic's creation. It's an attack. Get the mayor out of here. Move, move. Uh, it's the Frightful 4, but I only have eyes on two. Repeat, I, two. I, okay, that's the security guys. Um, and then the symbiote with the overcoat and the and the symbiotic guns start blazing hellfire, it looks like, and just starts burning up the office of Jameson. Starts shooting people, the security guards, etc. Um, and the symbiote uses his tongue to extend and wrap around a woman's neck and strangle her and says, give me Jameson. And uh, Claw says that Carnage is morphing back into his original form. So the, 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 the symbiote is trying to... Uh, not be controlled by the wizard. So, uh, Claw is supporting the wizard throughout the whole book. He says, we're attacking City Hall. You're doing it. You're doing it. And yes, I remember, I'm coming for you, Jameson. The city will be mine. The wizard has returned. And then the controlled carnage talks to Claw and says, that was a slip, wasn't it? Because I felt all tingly for a second, which is saying that the, the symbiote is trying to gain control and get rid of this awful-looking 90s suit. Uh, I'm, feel, I'm feeling tingly right now. Aren't you, though? So anyway, uh, the <laughs> wizard and Claw and Carnage are busting through several doors trying to find Jameson. And the symbiote kills as many guards as he can. And finally, they get to Jameson's office, and they bust the door open. And, and Wizard says, your term is up, Jameson. There's a new mayor in, dot, dot, dot. You know what they say? You can't fight City Hall, because City Hall fights back. And you see the superior Spider-Man sitting behind Jameson's desk, leaning back in the chair with his feet up on the desk, and two Spider-Minions with big old guns are waiting for Carnage and the Frightful Four. And it says, next issue of the Frightful Four is Farewell Tour, question mark. So I guess, I think this, ish, this many is four issues, I think. I think it's five, isn't it? Four or five, one of the two. It's on the cover, Any... most Marvel miniseries oh, do these days. No, it doesn't. It doesn't? It doesn't. Weird. It doesn't say on the cover. I think it's four or five, I don't know. This one I don't think was as strong as the previous, mainly because I absolutely hate the redesign of Carnage suit. My goodness, superior Carnage is not superior in my opinion. It's inferior. The look. I think I found uh, an image th- of it on uh, on Google search after some time. Yeah. Uh, is that it, Brad? I was put in the text chat there. Oh, here. Um, let's look. Yes, that's it. That is. That's the. Does that look horrible? That is that's ten ugly. kinds of nineties. What the hell? It's it's the Carnage suit is mainly all red. Um, there's a lot of black in the pant area and the boot area. Just ugly looking it's just, design. It, it's so unnecessary. It looks like a member of the Red Lantern Corps. Yeah, it's really. Or ugly. the Black Lantern Corps because he's undead. I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, bah, bah, bah. I found another image and he's got. It looks like he's wearing armor. What is? What is this crap? Um, post the image. Let me see what this is. It's with the frightful four. Just oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, that's that's the image I was talking about where he has put guns oh on. Oh my it looks gosh! Where like, he's it looks like the Punisher and he's got an overcoat. It looks awful. It's not even remotely recognizable as Carnage. No, it's not. What the hell is that? That's Carnage. That's superior Carnage. So I, that I one I would give a C minus on that one. It's like Death's Head three. <laughs> So that is Spider Satellites, pretty much. Oh. Yeah, after, what, hour, hour and a half? I know. 